Hey guys, welcome to the GSN News Podcast. I'm Derek, I have Larry here with me. This week we continue our discussion on Ephesians. And we're going to talk about husbands and wives, the role within the home, submission, and even kids. Stick around because Larry and I brought our wives in. And we also get fussed out a little bit toward the end. Also, excuse some of the audio quality because obviously this is our first time interviewing. So, brand new situation. We'll be back in about 60 seconds. We have a couple of special guests with us today. We decided that since we're talking about husbands and wives and the order of families, that what we would do is we would bring some of our favorite people onto the podcast. That is our wives. So we have my wife, Rebecca. Hello. And we have Derek's wife, Madison. Hi. And they are here with us to talk about marriage. And obviously I'm here. Yes. Derek is here with us still, um, as usual. <laughs> so today's episode is on an interesting topic, and, and and just to be honest, it's a topic that can be pretty controversial. Um, we're talking about the Church of Half-Truth, and we're talking about the letter from Paul to the church at Ephesus, and we are getting deep into it and talking about marriage and family. So... Ladies, this is this is the big thing that I I really am I'm hoping for for some good stories here. So I want you just in your mind to picture, you know, we're we're on vacation somewhere. We're we are visiting a church that we've never been in, some place that you don't know the people. And we walk in, you know, we sit towards the backish. It's our first time. We just want to, you know, go in, leave, and not make too big of a thing since. We're not moving there. We're just visiting. You sit down. They have song service. It's normal. The minister gets up to preach. And and just to be clear, normal service. This is not a women's conference. It's nothing like that. The male preacher gets behind the pulpit, and he opens up, and he goes, Church, I have a word from the Lord. He came to me in the evening, and he told me that I am to speak on this passage of scripture. So let's open up our Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22. And it says, "Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord." And he closes his Bible, places it down and begins a prayer to bless the word of the Lord that's going to be brought forward in that service. What are you thinking? I mean, I'm thinking I'm on vacation. I'm probably not going to church. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but I guess this is my thing is that, I, I mean, have you been in places like that where all of a sudden you have this, a man get up in front of people and they just, they grab this one verse and they're just like, hey, wives, submit to your man. And that's it. In all honesty, I'm hightailing it out of there. Because if you ain't going to read what's after it or before it, no. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, have you been in places where you felt that people were highlighting that and ignoring the rest of this passage? I mean, unknowingly, 
yes, but I didn't notice it like at the time. Um, so my entire like primary and secondary education was spent at a private Christian school. Um, and a lot of their ideologies was very, no, this is what the woman has to do. The man really doesn't have to do anything. And it was never the, like that it's give and take. Like, yeah, there's specific things that we as women and wives are called to do, but there's also this part that there's things that husbands are supposed to do as well. Okay. And yeah. I feel like it's an old school way of thinking, like to just blanketly serve and obey your husbands. And I feel like marriage now is more of a give and take, and it's a partnership, and the husband has things they do, and the wife has things they do, and I feel like the wife has extra stuff to do because men's brains don't work that way and God created us differently for that. Okay. All right. Well, I mean obviously we're not we're we're definitely not just going to read Ephesians 5:22 and talk about how y'all should submit to us in every moment of everything because we said so. <laughs> I, I mean for one that wouldn't be a very interesting podcast unless people wanted to hear us get beat up by our wives. In the background. In the background. I mean, <laughs> you know. Um, so let's read this passage real quick. And I actually want to read all the way to Ephesians 6, 4, because I really think it's important that we don't just look at the husband and the wife, but we also acknowledge that Paul wrote about the children in the same passage. You know, we see it as a different chapter because it was cut that way. But when Paul wrote this, it was all one solid text. Um, so do you want to read that, Derek? Yeah. Uh, his wife submit your, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit and everything to their husbands. Husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh the, this mystery is profound and I, and I am saying it that it refers to Christ and the church however let each one of you love his wife as himself let the wife see that she respects her husband children obey your parents and the Lord for this is right honor your father and mother this is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Yeah, so in this passage, Paul is obviously addressing the home. He's addressing the family. 
and he's addressing the different roles that different parts of the family play in that home. Um, and I think a big part of where the issue with this come in is that everybody focuses so much on that first part of the command and that gets to be awkward because if you look it's children obey your parents wives submit to your husbands and husbands love your wives one of those three types of people definitely has on a surface level a much easier job when you look at it at that level Sure. Right? Um, I, I mean, yes, love can mean different things. But just when you say those phrases, obeying and submitting is definitely the hard part. Mm-hmm. But what I see in this is that I really think that it's very much the opposite of that. Because I think that Paul's making dual... Paul does a lot of, he does a lot of teaching where there's parallels and there's, there's two levels to the things that he says a lot of times. He'll introduce it and then he'll, he'll contradict it almost. And I don't think this one he's really contradicting as much, but I I definitely think there's an interesting second piece to each of these instructions that contain their own instruction that when you look at makes this very different. Okay. So... In the section to wives, it says that the wife should submit to the husband, right? And it says, for the husband is the head, even as Christ is the head of the church, and it's sa- he is its savior. Okay? So it's placing the husband in the place of the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Well... Christ isn't a lord over the church. You know, God isn't, he isn't our savior, even because, he isn't the savior because he's God even. He's the savior because he came and he died for our sins. You know, he's he's our savior because he went through that suffering yep. for us, you know? And and so it's it's interesting to me that He says, wives submit to your husbands, but then he puts almost a larger weight on the man right in that passage. Love is that weird thing, I guess, that can mean a lot of things in Greek, but I don't remember which one is used here, uh, whether it's philo or, you know, whatever, agape. I would assume it's agape since he said and gave himself up for it, but... Let me, um, I can tell you what it is. But I, I would, I would say like if you look at the ministry of Jesus on the earth, you have to understand what Jesus was doing. And what, you know, he he came to seek and to save that which is lost, put in a perfect law, fulfill the law live a perfect life and be and not only an example but a sacrifice so you know that's that's tough and 
as I don't have a son yet, but I do know that it that one of the things that men do for their sons is be an example and show them. And you know, that's you can make or break a kid doing that. And it sounds hard, but then you get into like obeying and submitting. But I think our pastor always says that you got to have something worth submitting to. So yeah, and I think that's, that's, that's really what it. he's telling them is it's not just submit; it's submit to somebody worthy of that. I read this uh, passage in the Amplified just to see how it breaks it down in more common terms. And in verse 24, it says, But as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives should be subject to their husbands in everything, respecting both their position as the protector and their responsibility to God as the head of the house. And when I hear that, I'm like, oh, submission doesn't seem that hard then because we're just respecting our roles instead of feeling like we're forced to do stuff just because the husband said so. So basically it's not the 1950s. Right. Yeah, yeah, it definitely doesn't sound like the 1950s. It doesn't even... It it sounds almost countercultural even to the time to the time frame it was written in. I mean, in the first century well, you were still purchasing your bride. Yeah. And even then you have to remember the context of Ephesus that we talked about earlier where the the cult of Artemis was heavily woman led. Yeah. And to a fault where it gave false empowerment and uh you know it was basically a a sets cult in a lot of ways. Yeah. And and it gave it gave false empowerment. Mm -hmm. And so when you put it in the context of the church that he's talking to, it's like the women are used to being in this position of authority. Yes. And again, like I, I'm one of the I'm the guy that does the context on the show. So I I have to I think about it in context when I'm speaking about it. So you have, when you look at it in context, I think that he's addressing some of the things that the Ephesian church is dealing with, but also he's laying down some good doctrinal foundations for the family. But, you know, that, and what's, what's crazy is I think it looks different for everyone. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think that there's any one method that's like, this is it. Yeah, and I think that there's a lot of different methods that can fit in the framework of this. Um, I don't, I don't think Paul is trying to give, and, and I think it becomes more clear when we look at the rest of this. I don't think Paul's trying to give any absolute, like this is how the man acts and this is how the woman acts and everybody needs to do this exact same thing and be clones of each other. It's it's going to be tough to make that argument when you look at the church today. So, I mean, how do you, how do you make that argument that this is their doctrinal foundation and the church today is so diverse that it's insane? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, if we continue forward to the section to husbands, right? Um, that word is agape, by the way, when it says husbands love your woman. That's what I figured. Yeah. Um, 
but the thing is, is it continues. It doesn't just say love your wife. It says that Christ, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That, you know, it, it continues to say that when a man loves his wife, it's like he loves himself, right? And then it gets into the thing that really is contrary to the culture of that time, at least my understanding of it, hopefully my understanding of it is accurate, we'll find out in a second, is that it talks about how a man will leave his father and mother and will join to his wife and they will become one flesh. But this is the interesting thing to me, is that when I think of the cultures of that day, the man didn't leave his family and move in with the wife. When they got married, the wife moved in with the man in his family's compound and they just added some rooms for them and their kids when they came along into the structure that the whole family lived in. Yeah, I think it was different for different cities, but in the ancient Near East, definitely. Yeah, so, I mean, it was the typical that the the woman would leave her family and go to the man because, you know, even, I, I believe, even in the cities where there were these these female-led cults, the men were still paying dowries. The men were still basically purchasing brides on some level. Um, and so it's just interesting to me that Paul then says that the man will leave his family, his heritage, and cleave to the wife. I did that pretty literally. <laughs> I moved. <laughs> I moved. Six and a half hours away. But yeah, I mean that that it. I think that there is some literalness taken to that. However, if you take it as literally as you could, I mean, clearly that's not happening with his parents. So. Well, in when you think of it in the terms of, you know, leaving, if you want to apply it to like the Christ Church thing. You're leaving the world. And Jesus, when he's having that discussion uh, with the Pharisees, I think it's in John 8, he's telling them, your father is the devil because you're liars and you do what your father does. And so if you're leaving, if that's the way Jesus had this interaction with the Pharisees and some of the other Jews standing around, to me that when you put it in that context, it makes sense. But applying it literally it's going off and like being a man like stop being a, a whiner and grow up and deal with it essentially and lead mm -hmm. which i know that's that's pretty unpopular but is what it is yeah and and again i think he's the other thing I think that we often don't talk about is that I think Paul is, he's making specific points about how the church functions here. You know, when I'm reading this, sometimes I almost wonder if Paul's intention was more to make, use the family as a metaphor for church function than it is to use the church as a metaphor for family function. Yeah, I mean, and he even says it, I think, where he's like, I'm speaking about the, you know, Christ in the church. Yeah, he says the in verse 30, 
2. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. First of all, there's that mystery thing again. But uh, th that pops up all the time with Ephesians. But it it's going to be... When you look at the modern church, especially not within the last, you know, the last 20, 30 years, usually both parents working, usually you've got women pursuing careers, you know, that came around, that came, that, that ticked up in the 80s, early 90s. Um, it's going to be... It's going to be tough to take this and say, oh, well, stay at home, do this, do that. Like it, like, first of all, I'm, I'm a generally pretty unfeeling person anyway, <laughs> but, and that's where I think she picks up the slack. But, um, I, I, that's just who I am. <laughs> I, I, I have a tough time with it, but, um, I think that there's give and take in everything. Yeah. And I think if you're applying this to the church and you're applying it to different aspects of the church and like, if we're all one body, you know, da da da, da all that. Um, I think he's also saying order in the church. Like, not everyone has the same gifts, same talent, same ability, same faith, same everything. And that's what makes it work. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And and that brings us to the, the section about children, right? And I, I see the same thing here. It, it opens with that obey your parents, right? But then, again here, it, it gives instruction to the father, right? It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And it's like, I mean, even in ancient cultures, like the mothers were teaching their kids, like this, this, this instruction being aimed specifically at the fathers, it fits the pattern of these passages. Yeah. yeah. And I, I know that it, it fits the pattern. And when you think about modern, like, I don't know about you, but with my little girl, like I'm probably less hard on her than she is. <laughs> so, uh, but that's because she's my little girl. So yeah, I, I'm definitely that, the pushover. Yeah, you are. That's <laughs> that's tough, but I've I've thought about I guess kind of how I was raised a little bit like luckily i didn't have some of my cousin's families where they were yelled at all the time <laughs> uh but there were definitely moments where you could say like i felt angry and probably wasn't right but and i wasn't right in that moment either but you know you take i think ending that generational cycle of anger is important but you know, that provoking your children to anger, it's going to be, you're raising up the next generation. Like, 
we always say that this doctrine's one generation away from extinction. And, and that's why, like, in Deuteronomy and in the law, Moses commanded the Israelites, teach these things to your children. You know, Deuteronomy sits in full. The frontlets, the tassels, everything that they were supposed to do was supposed to serve as a reminder to the children. And then he said, during Passover, not only do you do this with your children, you need to sit down and tell them about what God did in Egypt and how we brought you out. Yeah. And bringing them up in the fear, I think the original text is in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Uh, yeah. I can't remember, but... That's what it is. But... That's essentially what Moses was commanding in the law. It's literally a copy from Paul's Sanhedrin mindset yeah. into New Testament theology. And you, if y'all don't know, Larry, one of Larry's kids just came in. Um, <laughs> and she's the cute one, so he'd probably she, just let her come in and be like, come talk, you can say whatever you want. We've we've done a pretty good job of like keeping the the my kids running into the room because mine are old enough to do it. Um, Derek doesn't quite fight this battle yet. Um, do you want to say hi? Yeah. Say hi. You gotta say it really loud. People are only gonna hear you. Hi. Yeah. So this is my youngest. All right. Can you can you go back in bed? Good night. Night. <laughs> and uh, but mine are old enough that they can run in here if they want to, and so we we've so far done a pretty good job. But with our wives now in this this episode, it's a little bit more difficult to keep them from running in here. Mine's asleep. Hopefully that uh, yours is also not. I mean, yours can kind of run, but not quite to the level of like <laughs> fully free and opening doors. Be surprised. Uh, we can't turn knobs, but we can well, yeah, pull the handle. Yeah. Oh, I, I remember that Climb stage. furniture. But uh, I just, I guess my thing with that is it, it, I find it interesting that it specifically is fathers. Like, I mean, Because I, we're the ones that are usually the jerks. Well, yeah, That's... but I mean, mothers can provoke their children to anger just as much as fathers, and mothers are taught that they should raise their children in these ways as well. And so, but it also goes with the pattern of all three sections. It says wives obey or wives submit to your husbands, but then it says husbands, you're like Christ to the church in your relationship with your wife. And then he says, husbands love your wives. And then he gives a whole bunch of other clarifications to the husband. And then it says, children obey your parents and then, oh yeah, by the way, fathers, here's your other stuff that you gotta do. And it just, reading it just makes me think of of the, the metaphor that he's giving. And, and this is one of the reasons that I say that maybe this passage is, it's just as much him using the family to show something about God as it is show, using the church to show something about the family in that he gives all of this back to the husbands as the head. And then he says that that's like Christ. And the thing is, is when we look at our relationship with Christ, he redeems us. He calls us. He reveals himself to us. He draws us to him. We're not saved of our own works. We're only saved because of him. 
every aspect of this is by his grace. Yes, our faith is necessary, as Paul said a few chapters earlier, as we talked about a few weeks ago. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, without God's grace, without him doing everything, nothing we do matters. You know, and and so I think a lot of times. Careful, careful! You you might accidentally fall into hopper grace there. Well, I mean, <laughs> he gave us things we need to do, but that doesn't mean those things we do really do anything in and of themselves. Um, yeah, to be fair, I'm being facetious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, going back to the part where it's like. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. I feel like fathers, as the leader of the household, however you describe God and show your family what church is, is how your family is going to view Jesus personally in the relationship. So if your father was angry all the time, and like bossed you around and like never listened to you you're gonna feel like that's how god is and why would you want a relationship with god because that's not worth it and when you read these scriptures that jesus is loving and he's kind and he's not like that at all but you actually have to get to know him and like get past all the junky people that you've met through your life to realize that it's human flesh and not a spiritual god i mean if it's a metaphor yeah yep if it's all a metaphor yeah i mean and you know it is it's paul so i'm sure there's like you know four or five layers going on to this uh again like we the, this mystery is profound. He's drawing on so many cultural norms. He's drawing on cultural abnormalities. He's drawing on family dynamic and also spiritual dynamics. Like the, there's at least four layers right there. <laughs> right. So, yeah. I mean, the the main thing is is that I think as as husbands. And it's something that you have to learn, either sink or swim. Uh, <laughs> you you got to learn how to sacrifice, get over yourself yeah. in a lot of ways. And sometimes that makes you angry, but <laughs> you, know, you get over yourself. And it, it's tough, but, and especially when you have kids, you definitely, you it makes it a little bit easier, but it's still tough. And I think of that, like, if you're making parallels to Jesus, you're, Jesus obviously said, like, you know, if it's your will, let this pass, this cup pass from me. But he had to submit to the will of God, ultimately, the, the man did. And, you know, that I think Paul, when he organized it, he said, Christ is the head of the church and then he would say yeah god is the head of man man is the head of the wife wife is you know i forget what he says about children in between there but um i feel like you're skipping ahead to uh our episode in about six weeks 
<laughs> probably. Hopefully we can convince our, our wives to jump in on too, because that, that's definitely an episode about them. <laughs> probably. But, but when you look at order, if everything is supposed to be an example and a metaphor, like their sacrifice in the man, like it, and I, I honestly, I don't know a good father or a good husband that doesn't try to like just put aside what they actually want to do. Yeah. And just, you know, at times and just suck it up. And, and I also think that it's more, especially in the culture that the Bible's written in, I, I feel like it's probably more natural for women to do that because I mean, like what else did they have in the first century? <laughs> Like, well, I, yeah, that I mean, sounds weird. Like, I, it sounds kind of awful, but, like, the reality is, is, like, it was literally at what was expected of them, and that was it. Yeah. Well, up until Christianity came along, women really had very little value, and especially in the ancient Near East. Yeah. But, I mean, we're, we're still fighting those things, obviously, but... Well, yeah, and I guess that's another interesting thing to think about with this is when you put it in context, Paul was so progressive compared to the cultures they were in and even Jewish customs at the time in regards oh, yeah. to how he treated women. So, like, the question is, on some level, like, was he progressive to the limit of what God wants or was he pulling people closer to what God wants? And I don't know if there's a good full answer to that. I think he I think he was progressive not to the limit. I think that there's obviously dedicated offices and yeah. you know structure. But again, if you're using this as just a template, not a this is the end all be all, it works. Yeah. I think that's where a lot of people get mess like messed up is they try to use it as a end-all and be-all like wives you have to do this husbands you have to do this it doesn't always work that way like I know there was a good portion of my life that my dad wasn't around thankfully him and my mom are together now and doing very well but there was a portion of my life where I lived with my mother and my grandmother and I saw my other grandmother on the weekends I have no communication with either of my grandfathers and there wasn't that good husband role model or father role model for a period of time in my life. And so my mom and my grandmother had to step up and be like both mom and dad. And I know that's a popular thing where single parents have to step up and be both parts of this. And that messes with like a lot of people's theology. And like, I know for me, like there was a time where I, heard that like heard this passage in the wrong context and like something just like rose up in me and I'm like no like that's not always correct because my mom like my mom was the one that instilled how to be a follower of Christ how to exhibit what Christ is to the people around me like and she did that for me my brother and my sisters all of us are adults now the youngest of my siblings just turned 18 and living a christ-centered life as 
kind of as well as we hope we can be because it's, you know, it's a struggle. We all fall. But it's like one of those things where how can you argue that it would be an end-all be-all if you don't have that? Right. I think it's going to be... Sorry. I think it's going to be like... Obviously, we are younger. We're, I mean, me and her are both younger than Larry. Uh, Did you just call him old? About like eight, eight years. I am Seven old. years. But, I'm about but, to, when this airs, I will be 38 years old. So 38. old. Oh, man. So it's you're, a lot you're 11 years old. Um, but... Obviously, uh, we're from a slightly... We're pretty much from the same generation of people. But, you know, we we kind of break all the norms of the older generation in a lot of ways. Yeah. Because, like, that, that's one thing that when we first got married that we dealt with. Like, we were both working <laughs> and both... She was going to school while I was working all the time. And, you know, that... Now we both work full time and finishing school and have a baby and going do all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like it, it's we obviously break some of the older traditional norms and that's that's fun. I mean, uh, I think that the older traditional norms fit for some people. That's fine. Like it, you know, each their own. But if you are using that as the as the, you know, Temporary. perfect example, yeah. you're wrong. Well, yeah, and but. I think that, I think that another mistake that sometimes is made in our culture is that we we act like mid twentieth century America is the is what Paul was writing about. Uh, so he was encouraging I... them to be like America in 1950 because that is the ideal image and it's just like um I mean I know Paul said some prophetic stuff but I don't think he was a prophet like that I don't think that's how that works no and again like that, that goes back to whole the entire political structure that we had in the 1950s and American exceptionalism uh, found its roots in the 1950s. Like the, we need to be careful applying those norms to the Bible because some, most of the time they're false. Yeah. And most of the time, even our current cultural norms are false. Right. And you know we we've, we've gotten better because we research has gotten better, and archaeology has gotten better, and we're finding out more and more about the past, but. Now, if only we could convince people that those things are actually, you know, real. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Please don't get him started. I don't <laughs> want to hear it. <laughs> what do you think our podcast is about? <laughs> I know exactly what it's about. So a couple of weeks ago, Larry was in trouble. Now I'm about to be in trouble. <laughs> um, Thanks, Larry. So threw him under that bus. But like. It, my my main issue is is that we are convinced that there's one way to do stuff. One way that if it worked for me, it's going to work for you. If if I could do it, you could do it. Well, yeah, that's fine, Jim. But you know, inflation is through the roof, and mm -hmm. house prices are 
you know, quadruple what you paid. Yeah. And, you know, education prices are quadruple what you paid. There's no way that we can do your model. I mean, let's be real. Education is like, I don't know what you call it when it's 20 times. But I feel like that's more accurate. It, but but that's that's the point. It, but <laughs> it's impossible to do it that way. Yeah. And I guess that's the big thing is that families are all different and that there's a lot of wisdom in this. And when you take it, when you understand what Paul is saying, there's definitely something that every family can take from this and apply to their home and to their life. And it will improve their relationships and it will improve how God can work through their home. But that doesn't mean that everyone is the same. And we can't pretend like everything is a cookie cutter, you know? Yeah. I mean, and, and if we do apply to cook, a cookie cutter to everybody, you have to remember that cookie cutters are sharp. And um, we might not want to cut out some of the stuff that gets cut off by the cookie cutter. You know, to use yeah. that metaphor. Uh, Larry with the cooking reference. Um. Um, but, you know, I guess in closing of this episode, I'm, I'm really excited. Do, do either of you have anything you want to add to this? Um, Crazy stories. When I was reading this, the scripture that stood out to me, like I've read this a bunch of times, but the one that stood out to me and I saw it differently was... So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. And, like, for a long time, when I was a new convert, I got saved when I was 16. I always thought, like, when you become one flesh, that's when you consummated your marriage, and then ta-da, you're one flesh, and now everything you do is together. And it's not just that. It's you take care of each other like it's you. So, like, I'm going to take care of my husband like myself. I'm going to, if I'm hungry, I have to feed myself. I have to bathe myself. I have to take care of myself, study for myself, and, like keep everything in check and when you're one you take care of everything that belongs to you and it just made me view it more as it like solidifies the relationship because it's a give and take and that you're not just leaving them hanging like I went and I went out to eat and I fed myself. You're going to starve unless you feed yourself. Like, it's like, no, we're a family. Like, we eat food together and, like, we buy the food that we both like. You don't just buy your favorite food and expect me to just scrounge up some SpaghettiOs or something. Like, I had steak. Here's your SpaghettiOs. Like, <laughs> why do you do that? <laughs> I don't, but I, I mean, I feel like that, just, that feels very so familiar specific. as I hear that story. <laughs> it's pretty specific. Though. I mean, I do that to Derek, but only because he doesn't talk. <laughs> you didn't? Well, I tried to make an order. You didn't make it, so I just used the dinner budget today on myself. <laughs> you get and... the dollar menu. 
It's like, hey, I'm gonna make some ramen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how our wild Saturday nights go. I don't. When I say like I'm pretty unfeeling and unemotional, that doesn't just apply to me in general. That applies to everything. <laughs> like, uh, like I'm I'm gonna eat. Like I don't I don't care what someone makes. I don't care. Really, like I don't care. This is gonna sound like I don't care what she does. <laughs> like, but she can do whatever. I uh, thought we were getting through this whole thing without any 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 marital problems being brought up. He can edit. I'm probably, well, <laughs> well, that was a few months ago, but it's fine now. We added veggies <laughs> to the ramen this time. We upscaled it. <laughs> we tried our new hamburger helper recipe, but um, we just bought hamburger helper. I'm so excited. But. My mom told me that was poor people food, and I felt kind of offended. My <laughs> mom told me that was poor people food, because my sisters got excited when they saw it in our country. <laughs> hey, and, guys. We are two families that are under crippling student loan debt. Crippling student loan debt, quadruple house prices, and record inflation. We are Let's poor go. people just because we're under 40. And gas prices are <laughs> gas $4 prices plus. Are crazy. So, that, but, like... That's that's what I'm trying to get at. Like, I, like you and I say, you and Larry have like this weird Larry thing. Uh, what is it there? <laughs> <laughs> I've known Larry long enough; he knows what I'm talking about. Um, I know what you're talking about, but does our audience know what you're talking about? Where you talking about? Dirty <laughs> I don't. I don't understand sometimes how people live with Larry. <laughs> people say the same thing about you. <laughs> and I'm fine with that. But, but no, like, no. I'm, okay, I'm, so, I'm, so here's the thing. We a few weeks ago we 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 spread our episodes and we tried to inreach into um, some. We we specifically advertised towards some certain sections, and little did we realize that in that episode alone, I would say like three different things that like made all the people that we asked to listen to our episode dislike it. And and that's the Larry. Like, yeah, I, we, it's like it's I have a knack way. for just like for doing it. It's, it's... And, and he's always had that. Like I've known him for almost ten years now, yeah. and it, it's it's been ever present. But that's like it, oh, it's... I've known you. <laughs> yeah, I've known you and Becca about the same time. Y'all have this thing that y'all do like. I guess I, I like I said I'm unfeeling toward a lot of things. So like when when she says I'm gonna do something, like, okay, that's fine, whatever. Don't spend too much money. Like that's really like my only thing. And that's about it. Like I, I <laughs> she can do whatever she wants to. I don't. And people sometimes look at me and like, or don't you? I'm like, no, I don't care. Like you, you were. If you think I care, I, I promise you. I think like, I do care, but you trust her so much because she's she's able that's, to be disciplined with it. That see, that's the Larry. That's the Larry thing. She has to like cover for me so much that that she's learned how to turn things into such a positive thing. It's so true. I find the silver lining in everything. <laughs> but like, but like, to be fair, like that's kind of the way I view it. Um, it kind of goes back to like using it as a template. Like, but what's funny is I, I, I know I'm 
I'm a strange person. Have my little quirks about me. I know this. I've accepted this. It's been since like middle school. <laughs> well, so my mom, I, I didn't know whether to like be like, oh, that's really sweet or really offended that she would even like pray this. She's like, I pray that she finds like someone who accepts her, like all her quirks and like doesn't try to like change that. And, um, you should know she was praying for someone that didn't care at all. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a struggle in itself. Like, but we understand, like we work on that. Um, but like with that, like, thankfully, like my parents are working on and like have worked on in the past, like their marriage. Um, but it wasn't always like a great role model. Like it was like a, well, what are you doing? well, if you're doing that, then I'm going to go do this. Yeah. And it wasn't always, like, super healthy. Um, however, seeing them being able to work on what they have has led um, me, and conversely this one, um, <laughs> to... By association. By, by association, work on ours as well. Um and like we we dealt with something a few months back where um i was trying to make a personal decision that his input wasn't uh, i love you but it was not the greatest for me um and but in my thing like talking to the people i work with i work in a um local christian school and i absolutely love like my administration and people like that are above me. Um, Like I've never met some people that are so spirit led. So we were dealing with something that would kind of, that would affect my job. And I'm the people at work find out it was, it was just this big thing where um, they were like, Hey, like, you know, your role as a wife is to submit to your husband. We want what's best for you, whether it's here or somewhere else. And we are here for you, but your role is a wife first. And same way his role is a husband first. Like, regardless of whether you tag words, whether you add on that title of son or daughter or friend or teacher or parent, your husband and wife first in your relationship with each other. And like, it was, it was about two weeks where I cried nonstop because it was a very difficult thing to deal with. And to be clear, I'm a type A personality. Like if I want something, I'm going to do nothing. Like I'm going to like work it nonstop to get it. And it made me want to slash his tires. Um, <laughs> but like what came from this and it kind of like stuck with me cause I had three different people at my school tell me this like when they were helping me through this and they hadn't talked to each other either either and I don't believe they go to the same church um and so it's I know it's not something that a pastor said but they were like hey listen while it's your role to submit and let your husband lead you their role as just a man a man in general is to maximize their potential. Like that's what they're that's what they're taught. That's kind of what the Bible teaches them to do. Our role as women and as wives 
and as females is to nurture. So we want to help. We want to do this to make everything better. And I was like, that's, that makes a whole lot of sense. And when I kind of took it as it's not necessarily like submission as we think of it um, with like a ball and chain, it's more of like a, hey, our role is to cultivate an environment where we can both flourish and do what God has called us to do in the areas that God has called us to. And I was like, that's, that's a good thing. I like that. I feel like now I'm rambling. I really oh, like that. I, I'm sitting here going, I should have just had you write the episode. <laughs> also, I have a lot to say. I just, I, I, she's like you. She'll say stuff and get us in trouble. <laughs> Not always. My silver lining moment to add to that. When your home life is in balance, your ministries will flourish and all the other things that you're determined to accomplish are more successful because everything at home and like your relationships and your relationship with God is all God-centered. On something I wrote down too, when we read when I was reading through the scripture, because, you know, we had no preparation for this because our husbands, our lovely, lovely husbands are rude. Rude. And don't let us in on the secrets. Just to explain this, so we've known each other for a long time. However, 10 years. Becca got brought into our group chat for, like, all this GNN stuff, like, before the podcast even existed. Like, back when we were just doing, like, news aggregation and stuff. I was a group. Yeah, we're, we're talking about 20, what, 2015? We launched it when my oldest was, like, right before my oldest was born. Yeah. And she's seven in August. So, okay, yeah. it's been a while. But Madison never came into our chats. He wouldn't so allow us to meet anymore. her. He was hiding her from us. Um, well, she wasn't a thing until at 20. We weren't a thing until. Well, yeah. 20. 2019. Yeah, so you guys weren't together for a while, and you haven't been married for that long. But it's just 2017. She never got brought in, so we had we started a group chat to set schedule this and make sure everybody was on the same page. And like the first thing she said was that she wants to open this present that's been hiding, that's wrapped and waiting since Christmas, and he won't let her open it. And the more she asked, the more uh, delay it. <laughs> Because he's numb inside and doesn't want her to feel joy. And all she wants is to feel joy, but he doesn't express that feeling. I feel kind of bad. I can connect this to back to the podcast, though, to circle back around, though. Okay, the last verse of Ephesians 5. So, like, we all know, it's like the, however, let each of you love his wife as himself, blah, 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 blah. Let the wife see that she respects her husband. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, but, like, on a for real note, like... If there's something wrong, like, with us, it's going to trickle into every single area. That's right. Um, If I'm I'm mad about something, like, it, it, I don't, like, I I don't hide my emotions well when I don't like people. (laughs) It's really funny. Like, if I don't like you, I'm not going to talk to you. I don't care. And, like, I don't, I don't feel the need to get out of my way to make you feel special or important. And, and she's the opposite. And I wouldn't say I'm the opposite. If I don't like somebody, I feel like they're either going to be super oblivious and not know. But, but like I'm, I'm very much like, if I don't like you, I, you know, is what it is. 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go out of my way to talk to you. Yeah. I, so when I'm when I'm angry, that's much the way I am. Like if I, if I've got my mind on something, like that's the way I am. It's that one thing. And that and again that goes about type A personality. Like if I'm if I'm driven, don't don't talk to me, don't look me, don't leave me alone. And then that but once you do that, like it just spreads everywhere else. Like it I guess you could say ADD, ADHD. I I probably have some facet of that somewhere, but <laughs> that's a classic sign of ADHD. But yeah. But that's why you have a partnership. You have me. You might be the head, but as one of my favorite movies quotes, the man is the head, but the woman is the neck. And she can turn the head any way she wants. So, that's why you have me to help balance you out, which is why when you don't talk for a few days because you're mad about something, I'm going to be like, we're figuring this out right now. We've done that on a few occasions. but <laughs> She's uh, the secretary that's like, please hold. Your call is very important to us. The only schedule that I really keep track of is mine, and that's because I can't handle anyone else's. <laughs> Meanwhile, I have a planner, and if it's if something is not written down in that or on the fridge calendar... doesn't exist. It does not exist. I've missed, like, full events because it, I did not write it down. But, like us. So, I... I guess, you know, it, it's been great having he, both of you. Next time, I, I think it'll go a little smoother at the beginning. If you let us know um, what we're supposed to do. I, <laughs> it would go way smoother. We've, we've never had a guest. Okay. We've never had a second person. And the way we record this, to let some people behind the curtain a little bit, is generally speaking, one of us writes the episode and the other one responds to it. Can I give a suggestion sure okay so how we had like six scriptures or whatever to read it would have been helpful if we like broke it down like we're going to talk about these two scriptures blah 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 and then we're going to go to the next two scriptures blah 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 so that way um they have that order i mean we we have that they have that they just didn't share it with us right they didn't let us interject they're like just just interrupt whenever you want and you can cut us off and be really rude i, I mean see when i interrupt and like I, I start rambling and I, then i start talking too much and then and they don't give you any feedback to know if so they agree with the episode. we will talk to you guys next week on wednesday uh, support us on patreon 